Check, check. Microphone check. That's one of those things I wish. I do wish I was a rapper or a musician sometimes. <laughs> More so if I could sing, like if I could get the Jeffrey Osborne out, like you said, if I could sing, <laughs> that would be different. Like If I can still hoop, everything else is still the same, but I can, I can give you a little hoo-hoo. <laughs> that would be nice. What's up? Checking in, Bridging the Gap podcast. What episode are we on, Ethan? This is this is eight episode eight. Come on, man! You should know that stuff. Boom, 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 boom. You're yeah. our facts guy. Come yeah, on, yeah. man. He's not talking to me, guys. He's talking to the to our contributor, our, our guy in the background, Ethan. Um, episode eight. It's the Kobe episode, right? Kobe number episode eight. All yep. love, R. Peter Bean, GG. Um, here in Dubai, you kind of getting familiar with us, uh, Coach King, my OG. AKA Jules the Jeweler, AKA Jew Pop, AKA Never Seen a Donut You Never Like. This like, <laughs> you know, a guy. How we doing over there? I'm great, man. I'm great. Had a rough start to my morning today, but you know, getting a chance to to get, go live with you guys is is always a good feeling for me. So this is picking up my day right here. No, he listen. He really had a rough morning. Cause we just spent like two hours before the pod getting him, getting him back. You know, <laughs> sometimes you gotta charge up the machine and we had to get the energy back in pace. So, um, but you know, that's how it is sometimes. Sometimes when you're running businesses or you're doing things, partnerships or whatever else, you gotta give your guy or your, your partner some time to recharge and get back into space. Cause yeah. whew, we yeah. are, we are pulled. Yeah. One of our sayings is bend, but don't break. Especially when you get older, uh, and, yeah. I, and I'm one of the old. Yeah. I'm the old guy in the group. So you're seasoned, man. No you know, season. getting okay. older is a blessing because I turned a certain age <laughs> in a couple of months. Twenty nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not bad. You know, bad. You guys always remind me that I'm young, but you know, um, each year you, that you live is a, another year. You get a chance to ball, man. You know, yeah, for that's sure. love. That's love. Um, I'm here. I'm I'm Yates Ryan. What we call it, strike them from, from <laughs> my guys at home. Um, I'm feeling good as well. It's a beautiful day outside as well. Like um, I, I can't stress this enough. But as bad as the summers may be in Dubai, in the UAE, in the Middle East, this here, this winter, when it's like seventy-two, uh, it's it's Celsius out here, so it's like twenty degrees Celsius, twenty-three degrees Celsius, which is 74 Fahrenheit, five at whatever time of the day it is, the sun is out. Beautiful. All right. In simple terms, if you've ever been to Southern California, mm. this is the weather right here. No, no humidity. <laughs> um, it's, it's very pleasant and sunny. It's always so sunny it's, in Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's love. That's love. So it's, it's good energy, man. We had a great week work-wise. Um, as you guys know, not only is this my mentor, my OG, but we're business partners. Um, we're building a basketball brand, Hoop Mountain, Hoop Mountain Dubai. And we have, we're coming to the close of, I will, we'll say it's our extended first year, right? Yep. Because we got here last October business-wise. We got here last October. 
Um, and of course, due to COVID, everything kind of shut down. Did that kind of shut down completely? <laughs> and uh, we're getting through our first official season after having, you know, some marketing in place, better understanding of the market as far as the gyms, the children. We had a pretty great first, you know, three months of the year this year, considering, right? Considering everything we were up against. How are you feeling about that? I'm, I'm feeling really good just because considering all that we've been through, um, the pandemic, a late start in terms of uh, setting up the company with our competition, just getting here. I'm here a month before you, you getting here and that's having to do um, 40, 50 percent more than we were expected to do. A lot. And a getting lot. and getting everything going and learning the landscape. Um, we're in a good place right now. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. you know, the end of our fall season um, is this Saturday. And, you know, so far the classes that we've ended already have been, uh, have ended on a good note. Yes. And you know, everybody's happy and pleased. And, you know, we're excited for what the future brings for Hoop Mountain. Yeah. And uh, we just want to continue the progress. Yes. And to our Hoop Mountain Dubai family specifically, thank you. Every mom, every dad, thank you for understanding and working with us. Um, you guys believed in us when we told you that it's more than just a basketball training academy. It's more than just a one-hour babysitting thing that some people do. It's more than that. So as we've been growing and we progressed and we worked through these different wrinkles and all these hurdles, you stood by us because you believed in us. And we're we only here because of you. So to all of our Hoop Mountain family, Hoop Mountain family, thank you. We appreciate you. And don't you worry, we have so much more coming for you as we move forward. So it's going to be worthwhile. But we don't get anywhere if it's not for the support from you guys. Um, of course, we love your children. They're a part of our family, but we don't get that chance to interact with them and work with them without the support from you. So every mom, every dad, thank you. And, you know, stay tuned. We got more coming. Um, but let's talk some basketball. Bas NBA training camp has started. It's looking good. Um, I love going on Instagram and seeing <laughs> all of the training camp action and all those different things. And, of course, you still got this NBA drama. The NBA, I think, is the best sports league in the world. Like, no matter what time of the year, whether they're playing games or not, you have the NBA in the conversation at some point for something, for whatever reason. Um, you have Harden still out there partying with a little baby getting it in with no mask on. It, they, and people have been saying, Houston, you're going to have a disgruntled superstar. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with this. We talk about NBA drama. There's always NBA drama because the NBA is a league where players are allowed to express themselves. You know, there isn't any limitations on what you can say or not say. And uh, the, the players – Take full advantage of that, you know, yeah. and then, you know, those guys make a lot of money. They, they are superstars in their own right, and the media follows them wherever they go. And in this particular situation, James Harden, uh, 
the person in question, <laughs> um, back in the strip club, yeah, no yeah. mask on. Yeah, yeah, he um, wants out. He's basically telling Houston, Houston, there is a problem. <laughs> we, I want to get out of here. That's a fact. Do, do whatever it takes to get me elsewhere Word. than Houston. That's real. And and that, like you said, the NBA is a player-driven situation. Like, you want to go as far as the players. So when the player's not happy, especially a superstar like James Harden, you know, whatever you see as far as his game being um, limited, because he can play it. If he were to, uh, you know, embrace a different style of basketball, he'd probably be a champion. But he does what he does better than anybody else. Top five in the league, if you ask me. Right, top five game changer. You get him and things change. If he wants to leave and he doesn't want to stay right there, you really have no choice but to do something. Now, when you do it, it's up to you because, you know, it's still a business move. But Harden's letting you know, I'm not coming to training camp until I'm ready. I hate to see it like this, though, because, you know, African-American coaches – um for the league to be, you know, probably about 75%, that's on the low end, maybe more African-American. There's not as many of that representation on the sidelines. And for Steven Silas to have his first job be this type of situation, you know, it's tough to watch. It's tough to watch, right? But it's, Well, Coach Silas has been in the game for a long time. Mm-hmm. So he understands, you know, the ups and downs of it. And, uh, he knew what he signed up for. Uh, going in, he knew the situation because as an assistant coach, you have a better relationship than most of your head coaches. So he knew. But, you know, whether James stays or goes, he knows he has a job to do. He's got to do it to the best of his ability. So he's okay with that. And, you know, it, it's a player-driven league, which rightfully so, because without the players, no one fills the seats. Um, no one comes to to the games and, and no one watches on television. So uh, rightfully so. And, you know, James Harden is at a situation where he's basically run his course in Houston. Yeah. It's, it's time for him to go somewhere else. Yeah. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out because that's entertaining. I like I like to see it. My One of my best friends, my bro, hit me in the group chat and he said, yo, if Harden goes to Philly and somehow they can keep JoJo and Ben Simmons, who comes out of the East? And I'm like, first of all, if they can keep JoJo and Ben Simmons and then get Harden in, that's insane. Like, like <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense. That's crazy. But I said, give me a month. Let me see what KD looks like. Let me see, you know, if Kyrie – does what Kyrie has been doing the last five years. But let me see. But Harden gets to Philly. Whether he gets to Philly with Ben Simmons still there or without Ben Simmons and it's just him and Joel and B. Ooh. Well they, they don't I, I you can't you guys can't see Coach right now. Can't see his face, but <laughs> you know, he has a opinion about Kyrie. We'll get to that next. We'll get to that next. But but if if Harden can get to Philly, whether it's with Ben Simmons still there or or not. And it's just him and Embiid. Who's coming out of the East? Harden gets to Philly. Doc Rivers gets a chance to put his imprint on the team. Joel Embiid gets in shape. Ben Simmons has been working hard. And 
if he has a little more confidence in his jumper where he's taking it, Philly by far is the best team in the league. Man. In the East. In the in East, the I'm East, sorry. For sure. East, but that's, that, that's tough. But even without, well, let's say they got to trade Ben Simmons because okay. if I'm Houston, you're not getting James for me if I don't get Ben Simmons. You're right. crazy because I need a franchise cornerstone. I need something to build around for the future. So let's just say it's only um, Harden and MB. You still feel that way? Uh, Coming out of the East. Coming out of the East. If Embiid's in shape, yes. Yeah, because you got Harden, you got Embiid, you got Seth Curry, you got uh, Tobias Harris, um, you got the guy Shake Milton who who showed a lot of promise and was right. making things happen. To like, you got a solid, you got a solid stake over. Sure. Oh, you got uh, Dwight. Sure. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they had the makings of a team that could come out of the East for sure. Mm-hmm. But without Ben Simmons, though. Brooklyn is still in the mix yeah. for sure, just because depending on how Kyrie goes. Yeah, listen. You know, uh, all right, so you brought it up. I, I can't now, help. I that. I have to first admit to this fact. Like, um, I don't always do this for everybody, but I like Kyrie because I like the way he hoop, and and it's because I saw him in person. You know how sometimes you got a personal story, and it's like, yeah, I remember. I was a part of this program called NCAA First Team. I remember that. Right? So, <laughs> um, shout out to the guys that got me in that. So, what it was was, like, some of the better basketball players in the region, area, whatever, you would all get together and come to, like, a, a basketball conference to where they would have speakers. They'll teach you about the process of becoming a, a student athlete in NCAA. They'll teach you about all the pitfalls that come, the girls, you know, how they'll, because you know, at the camp, it was Brandon Knight, um, Kyrie was there. Like, it was a long list of people from all over, different ages and things. So I remember being there. And for my class, I graduated high school in 2010. For my class, Brandon Knight was that guy for a long time. And I remember this is because Kyrie hadn't had a huge name yet. And I remember we used to, basketball, like playing wasn't mandatory because everybody there was, he was under the assumption assumption that you were pretty good. So it wasn't making it mandatory. It was basketball to where we want to teach you the other side of it, right? So we were there, and you got about a day or two to where it's just dedicated to basketball, right? After you have your guest speakers and all the, they teach you etiquette and all these different things. So they're playing, and typically all the teams are always regional-based. So it's like the, the New York guys get on teams, it's like Chuck Bryant, you look at Edgar Sosa, other different people. There's Florida guys here, DC guys there. They're playing. Kyrie's playing. This is the first time I see Kyrie. And I'm like, oh, this guy's different. <laughs> this, is, this is different. Like, and, and that's, you know, everybody saw um, Kyrie versus Brandon Knight in the rookie sophomore game. Right. And Kyrie made him slip up and fall. Now, that ain't the first time Kyrie got the best of Brandon Knight. Right. So I saw that. And then after that, that summer going forward, that's when Kyrie becomes best player in the country. You know, uh, Coach K gets him the number one unif- number one jersey at Duke. Nobody else ever has it. So I'm like, this got different. Only played seven games and he's killing it. So I'm like, all right, he's nice. So for long story, to bring this story to a close, Coach has been telling me that Kyrie's kind of crazy. 
<laughs> as a teammate, said, Kyrie kind of crazy. His perspective, you know, is kind of kind of crazy. And I've been saying, look, Kyrie, he misunderstood. <laughs> That's what I've been saying. But I don't know anymore, Coach. Again, that's a situation where you had a personal experience with yes, somebody, yeah, yeah. and that's somebody you looked up to. I no, no, no. I ain't gonna say that. No, I don't look well, up to. I, him. Well, I, appreci- I appreciated his game. I, I was looking. Well, at if it. you defend somebody, then you somewhat look up to them. No, you're, I forget that. Be honest. No. You're, you're being honest about everything else. <laughs> be honest about that. No, no. And no, I no, told no. you we no, can no. only go with the facts. The Hold facts on. are what we've seen on television. Yeah what we've heard and some of the things that have come out of Kyrie's mouth don't add up. <laughs> they don't. They don't. It hurt to say that too. Cause I'm sitting here listening. I'm like, yo, Kyle, what's up? You, you understand what you said? <laughs> one, one of my biggest things was when he went to, when he first went to Boston and, um, I was like, I really do think Kyrie can be that point guard. Cause Kyrie has the best handle the league has ever, ever seen. He can finish below the rim. He finishes better than any guard that I think has ever played below the rim, right? And I'm talking about either hand, different finishes, and all those different type of things, right? So what I'm saying is, with Kyrie, if you take on what you said you're going to take on as far as point guard, then I think you could be the best. And that's what he said he was going to do in Boston. Right. He did say that. He didn't do it. You know, saying one thing and doing another thing is, is completely different. And he had a great opportunity to show the world that he could be a top flight, true point guard, which that's what he said he wanted to do. My prediction was once the season started, he would try to fill that void. But I wanted to see what Kyrie would do once they started to struggle a little bit. And he proved me right. Yeah. Yeah. Kyrie, Kyrie, um, I, a little bit, a little, uh, I got a little bit of faith still there that Kyrie, um, tightening up. All, all I'm worried about is I think I've said it before, like on some outlandish, wild possibility stuff. I think the craziest thing in the NBA that could possibly happen is if 20 games in, the Nets trade Kyrie to Houston for for James Harden. I think that would be the most entertaining thing ever. And <laughs> it would it would say that KD got sick of some shit. KD was like, yo, look, no. Gotta go. Right? And KD saying that Kyrie is his guy. But you know, you see things and we always know as like as real hoopers, you know that chemistry is important. Chemistry is important, and how those guys in the locker room feel about you is important. So I'm just, you know, and, I, and I'm all for somebody thinking different. I understand Kyrie, Kyrie is really spiritual. He's tapped into his Native American side and all these other. I, I get that. That's cool because Phil Jackson is my favorite coach of all time as a Laker guy. So I understand all that. But, you know, some things got to make sense, you know, got to make sense. And the earth is not flat, just so you guys know that. Listen, we're not even going to promote that here. (laughs) I want to make this clear, though. I do not look up to Kyrie Irving. I'm kind of offended that Coach said that. Like, I don't know. Like, Kyrie is the same age as me. I just had faith in him. I had hope that he was going to be one of the greats. 
And I think he is one of the greats, but I also think he's he's stepping in his own way. But I don't look up to him, man. That's, well, that's disrespectful. Well, I'm just saying I'm, I can only go by your defense of yo, him. That's yo, it. Yo, cut cut it out, man. This is see, this is when the real. I'm in business to... with you, so I got to question these things. We're, we're talking about facts here. Yo, hold the facts on. are that this man has gone on television and radio and said certain things, and then you're telling me that. No, he's thinking of something different. That reminds me of someone else. I'm not going to say his name because he's no longer president. <laughs> so you can't say no, and no. do these things. And then someone someone else says to you that, oh, he didn't really mean that. No, I don't know. No, I didn't say I didn't. he didn't really mean anything. I don't look up to Kyrie. That's that's crazy. Like, I'm a grown man. All right, let's make that clear. I'm not looking up that. You can him. respect people I can and, respect and, and them, idolize yes. them in a certain no, way. I don't idolize them. But when you defend somebody, you are. No, no, look, that's what your, your what JG said, your perspective is whack. <laughs> no, no. What I'm saying is I thought, and this is always only about basketball, only about basketball, because it's always about basketball. I said that I think that he could prove to be a point guard. One that could, I think, I always said that I think that he could buy in and be the best pick and roll point guard in the league because he's the most dangerous when it's handled and all those other things. And you always told me, you know, he crazy. And I was like, yo, I think he might be crazy off the court, but I think he'll get it together because I've seen flashes. But as you said, like, but as you always say at the end, like, if somebody keeps showing you something, you got to eventually believe it. So I'm saying, like, yes. He's the best ball handler we've seen. But, you know, it is what it is. But I don't look up to him. Let's make that clear. Ethan, understood. what's the next topic? No, Ethan don't pick the topic. I'm just man. saying, we need to move oh, on, God. man. Listening to Coach uh. Giuliani over here, I'm going crazy. <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's on, wild. That's like, wild. Like, you're, you're, that's a, that's oh, a slick Come on. That's a slick shot. People won't even catch that. Giuliani, though. <laughs> that's sick. That's But let me get to this, though. Um, you know, uh, speaking of Kyrie, we always bring it back to um, LeBron James. So LeBron, and I said, my guy, LeBron's been on the road tripping um, podcast of Richard Jefferson and all those guys, and he did something that he doesn't always do. He broke down, talked, was open about things. And I remember uh, after watching it, I hit my guys up because Kyrie has had, you know, choice words, slick ways of saying things without actually saying them and acting like he didn't say them. I, I was telling my guys, Kyrie is giving me strong Isaiah Thomas vibes. Cause you know Isaiah Thomas don't give MJ no love, right. you know. But you know they didn't play together, so it's a different space. You it's know big difference. They were Kyrie. Opponents. Kyrie owes a lot of his success to LeBron, and and don't don't take this the wrong way, listeners. Kyrie did do a lot of work when he was playing with LeBron, but prior to LeBron getting there, they were a lottery team. So we all know the history. We don't have to talk about that. Isaiah Thomas doesn't owe Michael Jordan anything. Isaiah Thomas was Isaiah Thomas before Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan. So don't get it twisted. If you don't know the history of it, go do your research. Isaiah was a bad man in his own right. Even though we want to give Iverson the love because Iverson is the, is the, the closest thing to the best under six foot guard that we've seen in the last 20 years. Isaiah was here before yeah. Allen Iverson. Yeah. 
Yeah, I and I actually got into an argument, not an argument, but me and my guys we talk basketball all the time, and I was saying like when I when I sit and I listen to and I watch and I read, Isaiah Thomas got one of the craziest careers ever. Like for him to get two rings in the middle of a Bird Jordan Magic era when the league did not want him to do that. That's the one thing about basketball. You know, you might try to – you can't really force one thing in one way. But if if you're that guy, if you're bad enough, you can change up the plans that everybody had. Like, he got two rings back-to-back back in the middle of an era where it was MJ, Magic, and Bird. They didn't include him on anything. And, and everybody needs to know this. On that Bad Boys Pistons team – Dennis Rodman wasn't Dennis Rodman that you know him to be now. I didn't even mention Dennis. Yeah. Yeah, Mark That Pistons team was one Hall of Famer and a bunch of good role players. And he made it. And Chuck Daly gets his credit for being a coach. And then because he was so great, too, it allowed Joe Dumars to be as great as he is. Right, right. But Isaiah Thomas is special. But with that being said, I said that because the other, you know, the tension between him and MJ. And when I look at Kyrie, and Kyrie says what he says about um, not not being able to look down the the lineup and see see somebody that he trusts to take the last shot. Until now, being with KD and <laughs> and Bron here, and I remember Bron saying he was he was hurt. Cause he was like, man, the whole time I was in the in Cleveland, it was all about me doing whatever I could to make sure you were the best that you are. Like I give you all the support that you need, even when the media comes this way or that way. It's all love, you know. And I always think back to the <laughs> to the moment the media asked and said to Kyrie. Do you kind of look at LeBron as a father figure? <laughs> and I kind of feel that same tension right now. You say, I look up to Kyrie, and I, that ain't what it is. But well, I remember Kyrie's reaction. He's like, father figure? I got a father. Right. Like, that's, is that what y'all think this is? But I understand Bron Payne when he's like, look, I, I was here to show love. I was here to show love, and I'm hurt. And you say what you say in the middle of me chasing for a championship. Right. You ain't wait for after it. You say it on a podcast with KD. You know what I'm saying? It's a whole nother space. Like, I don't know how to take that one. But we've heard it before. We heard it with when he was going to the Celtics. So we'll see what happens. If it if the if the Brooklyn Nets start to have some some struggles, we'll see if the real Kyrie comes out. Man, yeah. I like I like Kyrie as a hooper though, but you gotta relax. Cause definitely don't deserve to give any of that shade to Braun. Right. Like, like Braun is that guy. It's tough for him to say that too. Like I, I never felt like for Braun to be considered the greatest, one of the greatest ever. For some people, the greatest ever. And for Kyrie to be like, I only see one person that I want to pass the ball to at crunch times. I think I'm the best option. Right. And you know, it's not Braun. You know, that's a, that's an interesting statement. We know what Braun did say that I thought was interesting. And exactly. I think you, because you're OG and you really have more. Um, knowledge of the past than I would. LeBron said that he's been a part of the two hardest NBA championships ever with him coming back from down 3-1 and then this last one with the Lakers. Do you agree with that? To a certain degree, I do. The first one being Cleveland coming back down uh, 3-1. That's never been done in NBA history. 
So if it's never been done, that means it's almost impossible. It was impossible until they did it. And, and to come back from being down 3-1 against at that particular time was considered 73-9. and 73-9, the best team ever in NBA history for the regular season. So that definitely qualifies as one. Um, and let me piggyback on that a little bit. That particular team had the best shooter off the dribble from three, Steph Curry, and probably the best catch-and-shoot guy oh. in Klay Thompson with a great supporting cast. Draymond Green is going to go down as a Hall of Famer at the end of his career. Deservingly so, no matter what right. people say. And for them to come back 3-1, yeah, that's definitely one. Well, you know, let's stay on that first one, though. Okay. Because I think what's interesting about that is the pendulum switch. Come on, momentum. You and I both know how important momentum is in a game, right? Sometimes, like those upsets we see in college basketball or even high school when a team that wasn't supposed to win wins, they do that because of momentum sometimes. Momentum just carries and just carries. And sometimes it's overwhelming. You can't switch it, right? So during that, um, and Ethan, you looked this up for that series against um, Golden State in, uh, in 2016, I believe, Golden State and the Cavs. That game, maybe three or four, or game five, maybe, where Draymond was suspended. Correct. Right. And Draymond was on pace to win finals MVP. Correct. Right. Almost averaging a triple-double to an extent, but, you know, technical fouls. Right. Some may have been questionable, right, to whereas. Cause, so I, I look at that, and I give it – to, as a basketball player uh, point of view, I give it a different light because what happens is, is, is Draymond, he doesn't get the credit that Steph and all those guys get, right? But when you get to have a switch of momentum that way to where he doesn't even play the next game, right? You have a complete, like, it's like the air is taken out of the gym. There's a whole different ball game. The team is depleted because some of the intangibles that you don't Man, think about. stop. And that's interesting. Stop. No, it's not I'm interesting. It's interesting, though. It it's makes not it, it interesting makes it different. because it in basketball, in professional basketball, you're talking about a seven-game series. Most times, and we're talking about 99% of the time, the best team wins. Yes. Very often, I mean, very seldom do we see a team with lesser talent win. We're talking about a team that won 73 games with the unanimous MVP on their team, other two other guys that were all-stars, and the best supporting cast in the league, up 3-1 on a team, and they lose game seven at home. Yeah. That's not supposed to happen. I'm no, sorry. No, but I'm saying that... The fact that Draymond was out in the middle of that. So let's He missed one game. Home, but a big game. One game is big. So I mean, but he missed one game. We're talking but if, what, if we're gonna on. say if we're, but if we're gonna put an asterisk beside that, right? Think about this. The year before, and I'm not advocating just for the Cavs, you guys, I'm just talking to, in facts here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kyrie and Kevin Love were injured yes. the first year. Yes. And the Cav I mean the Cavaliers lost. Yes. And no one was talking about what if. Yes. We're talking about we're talking about a, a team that won 73 games with three future Hall of Famers, maybe four with Andre Iguodala. We don't know yet. 
up 3-1, and they missed one guy for one game. So what does that mean for the other teams that missed their top guys multiple games? Well, this this is what I'm saying. Like, you remember when we went to high school and we were at the the year that we had the four for 16 games. Yes. And we had to lose Billy yes. in the middle of the season. Yes. And, all other and Savage. So, and Savage. And love Savage so much. But I'm saying how that one time when everything had to switch completely, right? What that does for the lock. I'm not saying it's after. I'm not saying it makes it less of an accomplishment. But I'm saying that for that series, their best player was Draymond. It's high so school he was gone. in comparison to professional basketball. It doesn't yes. you know, compute. But, but even what you said. up. And we're talking about next man up on a team that's considered one of the – had the best regular season of all time. There's no excuses. But you said next man up. Next man up to replace who? Draymond? And what I'm saying, Draymond would have been finals MVP. And you and I talked about how – it's kind of crazy that, you know, Steph was the first unanimous MVP. Like, that's different, right? Because, like, you know, face value, you'll say, if you go get unanimous MVP, you got to be the reason. Well, but well, you but, and I both know. You and I both know. That's, but we want to, but we want to talk about it now because yeah. we have the platform for everybody to know that even without Draymond Green, they were supposed to win. You have game seven at home. Oh, yeah. You only have nine losses during the regular season, and you have the unanimous MVP. There's no discussion about it. You were supposed to win that game. So this is what I'm saying. And Draymond came back that game and had a monster performance. Right. But I'm saying the momentum have, momentum switch. That's what I'm saying. Momentum switch, one, two, one. Momentum switch. And where they were down 3-1, and it was looking like, yeah, they have the momentum here. Golden State has momentum. They're pushing it this way. When he gets suspended, that changes. Because you said he's unanimous MVP, but I don't look at Steph uh, it doesn't, uh, as, it, as, it, as that type of dynamic right, player to really control it. What, and and I get what you're saying. You got it, so you got to live up to that I'm name. I'm sorry. That they gave it to you you got to win that's that. Fact. You got to win that. So that's, that's an actual fact. And if it's never been done in NBA history, yeah. It's never been done. Think about that. It's never been done. Never. And it was done. So that definitely is one of the toughest championships yeah. ever. Yeah. Bottom line. With some no, help. No matter what anybody says, it's not your fault if somebody is not healthy or mm-hmm. someone gets kicked out of the True. game. That is on you. True. When you win a championship, for anybody out there that has won a championship, you know certain things have to happen in order for you to win. Because it is not every day that you can win a championship. That's a fact. So when you win one, you cherish it. We've gotten to the point now with social media where we have people who have never participated, never coached, never been a part of anything, and they're saying that, oh, you've only won one, but you've been playing for 10 years. They don't understand how hard it is to win one. Right. So stop all that. That was one of the toughest championships Ever, because we're talking about they didn't beat a team that was the fifth or sixth seed going into the the playoffs. They The number one team regular season of all time. I'm not going to give them the best team of all time because I still think that Bulls team is one of them. And, of course, some of the Celtics teams. But I'm just talking about Lakers 2000, 2001. That was a good team for sure. But. That particular championship was tough. And then we go into the second championship that LeBron was talking about, which is the bubble. 
we talk, we hear other players talk about how depressing it was, mm-hmm. how mentally challenging it was, Shut how up. physically challenging it was in terms of playing in front of no fans and things like that. So we hear all these players complain, but yet one team prevailed and they endured all of the same hardships and they won. So you, myself, Ethan, and anybody out there listening, we can't put ourselves in those players' shoes and say, you're complaining too much Mm -hmm. or you're complaining too little. We don't know how it played on your mental psyche. I know for me, with this COVID situation, when I was told that everything was kind of shut down, I know for a fact, I got to get outside at some point. <laughs> That's just bottom line. If I don't get outside, I'm going to go crazy. I don't care what the fine is. I don't care what the repercussions are. I'm going outside. I'm, I'm going to do my best to stay away from others and whatnot. I'll go out at 4 a.m. in the morning when no one else is out. I'm in Baltimore, so that's never going to happen. Yes. But I'm going to make sure that I get outside. Yeah. So I can't even imagine what they're going through because that's the problem we have now. Everybody wants to say they know what someone else is going through. And on top of that, like the money does not matter at that point. Because everybody's same excuses is always, well, you're a millionaire. You have to shut up. You'll be okay. Man, you know how many of those millionaires are not happy? Right. And having to be on that bubble and stuff. So I, I do think that Bron has been a part of two of the toughest championships ever. I don't I, I feel like we gotta do some history and figure out some things and, and go back because um if Wilt has two championships and he has two championships during that Celtic reign. Celtics won a those, million. Those are one. tough. So th- those, those are tough. tough. <laughs> <laughs> those are tough. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, Isaiah Thomas that we mentioned. You know, those may be tough. Those were tough times when he wasn't supposed to be a part of that. Right. And, you know, there's some other things, but I, I'm feeling it. Um, one thing that's even more glaring about the um, the information that we have basketball wise is Cleveland won their very first championship winning against that 73-19. So you you and I know, we talked about it before, how organizations are important to winning. So like if you don't have an organization that understands what it takes, if you don't have a team that understands what it takes and you have to like kind of create that energy, that's a whole other battle that you have to face that people don't know. And it's Cleveland. Man. Have you, you won a champion. You won an NBA championship for Cleveland. I've never been to Cleveland. I've been to Ohio a couple times, not by choice. It just happened. Shout out to everybody I know in Cleveland. You know you guys are my family. But you guys know the underwritten joke about Cleveland. It's called the mistake by the lake. So, hey, it's a beautiful place. Don't get me wrong. People are nice. It's blue collar, hardworking. It's a beautiful place. Spring, summer, fall. That's it. Get out of there. Yeah. No, that's interesting. But, you know, it's had some more game in there. Um, But you mentioned social media. Um, That is is something. You know, the podcast is called Bridging the Gap, right? Yep. So a lot of the times, you know, I'm, I'm explaining... I'm explaining some things to you, how things are working and all those good things. All the time. I I, I found a funny meme that was up and it was like, um, 
my older cousins or my old, older siblings are always like, yo, you wilding out on social media, right? Because it's from the older generation and you're looking at the younger generation, you're like, yo, what are you doing on here? Like, what is going on? But what, when you, when you talk about, when you think about social media, what is, what is your perspective of it? Like, how do you look at it? All honesty, all honesty, like cut. All 100%. honesty. I hate the fact that the average person can give their personal opinion on something that they aren't engaged in 110%. And depending on if it reaches a certain audience and piques their interest, it could take off like wildfire. And, and I don't like that because it could be completely false. You know, and, and not and not that they may do something intentionally, but it's just the fact that other people take it that way. And if you if you are what we call them a Monday, was yeah. it uh, Monday quarter, uh, Monday morning quarterback, Monday morning quarterback, meaning that the NFL has played on Sunday. The games have been played. Now you're giving your two cents on what coaches and quarterbacks and running backs and defensive coordinators should have done. If, but you've never played football. You've never coached. You've never even been a fan in terms of digesting exactly what goes into the game. But you want to give your two cents. But because it resonates with a certain audience, now your platform grows. Now you become into an entity of your own where people go to you for guidance. I can't stand that. Yeah. You know, if you're going to give your two cents on something, at least know something about it or at least have an experience with that s certain situation. On the flip side, though, you know, for everyone that has that experience where they probably are unqualified for their opinion. Um, on the flip side, somebody like us would probably have a way more qualified opinion than a Skip Bayless or whoever else. But, you know. Because of social media, it gives us a chance as well. You know, like I um, social media is interesting. I have my own gripes with it as well because I don't. Um, I'm a, I'm private to an extent. Like I share what I can share, and then the other sides I I don't just because you know it's different. But social media has made the world smaller. It's made it easier for us to be here. Right, it made it easier for us to connect with people, learn right. about different things. Easier for people to um, embrace other cultures that they're not used to. Right, you know, sometimes getting an explanation on on what that looks like um, creatively, it's it's infinite possibilities. There's so many things that you can do on that side, and then you know, like everything else, some dangers to that. Yeah, because you can't control a lot of it. it. And exactly. then when they do control it, I mean, that's how Trump got become president. I'm not saying that social media is a bad thing. Yeah. There's a lot of positive aspects that come with that. But as you said, the social media um, reign, so to speak, because that is probably the most talked about thing nowadays, because everything mm -hmm. that is everything comes through social media. It's part so, of business plans now, uh, right? <laughs> and so... It's made the world smaller, but it's also made the world dumber. 
I'm mean, just being real. Yeah. Like every, you can't go to social media and get facts on everything. Yeah, I, I, I'll say it made the world lazy. You just can't, and yeah. um, and so the the whole thing with someone having a platform, I'm, I don't care that you have a personal opinion about something because it is your right as right. a human being to be able to express yourself in any capacity. The problem that I have is just that. Other people will not do their due diligence and mm-hmm. research certain things, and they will take your word as the gospel. Yeah. You mentioned Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless, we know he says some far left things, but I give him credit. At least he's a guy that has been in the industry yes. for numerous years. Yes. Now he's kind of gotten into the circle where entertainment it's, it's entertainment. Mm-hmm. He gets paid for entertainment. And what, if you get paid for entertainment, more power to you. I'm talking about people taking everything he says literally. Mm-hmm. Some things that he says, believe me, ladies and gentlemen, he doesn't believe that stuff, but he's going with the narrative that is placed upon him in terms of the entertainment value. Yeah, no, I I agree. And you're right, 100% right. It's, it's different because when... Um, when we talk about social media making people lazy, um, what is what it really pertains to is that younger generation who they don't know the era of ass G's <laughs> or or like like you said, you talked about encyclopedias. Um and in, in that era when the encyclopedia guy will come around and you have to do research through that or, you know, doing research projects or just figuring out how to research. Like, it's an important thing. But now their younger age is growing up and social media has been a part of them. It's like it's like their own little book. So if they want to find something out. They can go right to YouTube and, and Google it. Like I'm, I'm trying to figure out some new ways to treat my plants so they don't dry out, right? So I just go to YouTube, right? And if I just go to YouTube or if I just go to Instagram, there's something there saying exactly how, exactly how I could take care of my plants and do all those other different things. So, um, I think you, like you said, social media has made people a lot, lot, lot lazier. Um, with research wise, I think that's what's dangerous because the younger they are, they're growing up with it earlier, so they don't know the past yeah. of having to research and do all those other different things. So it's taking their word for it because it's easier, it's convenient. You look everything for a quick is fix. Con- yeah, everything is about convenience, right? It's microphone, microwave uh, time. But you know, social media is a blessing too. Still, that um, I think social media, if used correctly, it can change the world as it has been doing some things. It's been making some transformative progressions for people all over the world, connecting stories and, and making things happen. Um, but like you said, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Yeah. Any Anything that is, how can I say it, world changing, mm-hmm. has some dangerous side effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, powerful, right? And who controls it, right? <laughs> right. That's another thing, you know, since right. control it, bro. Like, you know, they're getting, they're getting it together with that. But, um, but basketball specifically, right? Like I mentioned it last last episode, maybe. And I said that teaching 
or kids learning basketball through social media is dangerous. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's kind of like combative to what our mission is to right, to nurture the youth and get them to going together and, and growing. But when kid when people can freely, you know, put out these videos, this is no hate. Because if you can dribble two basketballs at the same time, one in front of you, one behind you, or you can crisscross your arms and do it, or if you're doing a crossover and then a spin move and then throwing a ball, whatever it is that you're doing that's creative, that's cool. But the only problem there is is that you have kids thinking that that's how they get better at playing basketball, right? So I, I have some pet peeves when it comes to watching Instagram trainers. Not all of them, but... You know, it's a majority of them, right? Because it's not always not a lot that are that strong with it. But when you get on Instagram or you see on Facebook and you see how trainers are moving, and this is strictly just with the kids in mind, right? All those people are adults, so you know we don't have we don't have to spare them much. But for the kids that are out there, the, the young adults that are out there looking for inspiration, trying to figure out something like. What is a pet peeve from um, some IG trainers that you're seeing? Just the the idea that the more complicated something is, the better it is for you, mm. and not realizing that you're the young guys and young ladies watching these videos are very impressionable. So they're going to take what you're showing them no matter how complicated and they're going to try that stuff in a game situation and they're going to be unsuccessful most of the time, not all the time, most of the time. And then it's going to kill their confidence and they're going to fall out of love with the sport thinking that this is something that I can never do because it's so complicated. But the real reason that they can't do it at that particular time is because they don't have a foundation in basketball and which you and I know, Ethan knows, that you have to start out with the basic fundamentals first before you can progress on to that more complicated stuff. That is stuff you mentioned in terms of being creative. That's stuff that you give a player towards the end of their workout to keep their attention and to always keep them hungry. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you talked about it. Um, we talked about it off air, but you know, a lot of the things that we do in our training, but we always make it clear we didn't we didn't invent basketball. Right. Right. We didn't we didn't rewrite the history. A lot of the things that we do, as simple as it may seem, is the exact same thing that I did in college. You did in college years before me. You did as a professional. LeBron does it. Kobe does it, MJ did it, Shaq did it, KD does it, Kyrie does it. Except everybody does those same exact things. No matter how many basketballs you can dribble at one time or what moves you can do, it always goes back to the exact same things, right? Right. The fundamentals. Everything. And I, I never I never see an emphasis on teaching. There are a couple, um, like Chris Johnson, um, yeah, where really he, good. Yeah, he's really good. You see that he's really, really, really teaching on stuff. Like, and he's not like hoarding information or just throwing stuff out there for an aesthetic, but they're really teaching games in a different ways. Right. right? right. There's guys like him, Chris Johnson, Phil Handy's really good. Phil yes. Handy's always showing you stuff 
for the more advanced player, of yes. course. Um, and then we talk about Rob McClanahan. He's a guy that's showing you game situation mm-hmm. in terms of how to get a bucket because he works with one of your favorite players, yeah. you know, Kevin Durant. Right. And we show, we're saying shout out to Rob McClanahan because he, he's affiliated with Hoop Mountain Basketball. Yes, right? yes. That's love. That's love. I haven't had a chance to meet him yet, but I know his work. Yeah, coming soon, coming soon. So, you know, the thing is, it's great to show those advanced moves and drills. It's, you should, because you want to keep the players hungry and, and anticipating what's next to come. But I would like to see the, the Instagram trainers show the basics too. Show the progression and talk about what you need to do in terms of being able to do this next level stuff. And then, and more importantly, everybody, that's us included, even though we do it, we can still get better at it Always. in terms of talking about when, where, how, and why to do a certain move. Mm-hmm. Once we're able to do that with the younger players, they'll have a better understanding of the game. And that's important for older players, too. Um, you know, I, I like Gilbert Arenas as a basketball mind a lot just because he gives us pr- perspective that's raw. And it's really from a – Definitely uh, raw. Yeah, raw. But it's definitely from a guy, too, that knows what he's talking about, right, because he did those things. But what he always says is, why would I listen to something from somebody who can't or hasn't done it? Right. right. So when you're talking about how, when, where, and how, and why, like older guys, when we're teaching them how to use a ball screen – it's a different conversation because when you and I both come out of a ball screen, we're looking like, okay, we're big guards. We know where we can take this and what options this gives us. And we've been in those spaces so we can explain it to you a little bit differently. Right. And teaching those moves. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things to where you need to, as if you're at that place, I do think that you don't necessarily have to be the best personal basketball player to be a good teacher of it. Right. You got to do your due diligence, though. You got to work. You got to figure some things out. But you got you to stay and understand where your limitations are and where you can't take somebody. And then also remember, you know, you're teaching. It's a responsibility. If you want to be a part of the game, respect it, grow it, and give people seeds. Right. It is, it is teaching first and foremost. It's, it's, you know, all of us are trying to run a business. But if we're not teaching and helping our players grow, then it's a terrible business plan mm-hmm. because it's, it's not going to sustain itself. And we, we want to make sure that anybody that leaves our program or anybody else who's training, someone leaves your program, you want to make sure that they have certain things in place that will help them be successful. Word, word. That's facts. I mean, and I won't – and I will never – I want to make it clear, too. Our entire goal here in the UAE is to grow the game of basketball, right? And, and and that includes our competitors being able to increase, you know, the amount of kids that they serve, right? Because we, we want as many kids possible playing basketball. Right. We want as many kids possible being um, – being eager to go out and join and play and do those things. But there are a lot of things that got to happen for that to to work and for that to manifest. Right. But what's important is, is you make sure you give them a piece of the puzzle. Like I said last time, a piece of the puzzle that they can hold and grow with. 
I mean, we just had a kid come from a different academy and, you know, he's saying different things and all these other things. But I was expecting he had spent like six months with that academy. And so I was expecting him to understand um, what it was to just do a simple pivot. Just do a simple pivot. And I've said that I am learning to coach basketball at a different level. Right. Because I've never, you know, I'm, it's just different. Teaching somebody something that you're used to playing is different because sometimes you expect somebody to know it because you know it. So I'm learning that language and figuring that out. But I'm teaching and, you know, I'm, 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 I taught them how to do the pivot and we still is a work in progress and things. But it's, it leads me to think like for all these IG videos I've seen of different academies around the world at home, of different people training, it's like, are you guys missing the fact? that we got to make sure these kids have a solid foundation. The very simple things. Right. The, the foundation is something that when times are tough in a game situation, these kids know there's one or two things I know I can do. Word. And so that's what we want. Something that you can count on in the clutch. You know what sticks out for me? What's that? And you used to always scream at us about catching the ball with one hand. <laughs> always screaming on somebody. And you, and you still scream on the kids about that today, and now I do it as well. But I remember vividly, it was um, maybe my senior, junior year of high school, and Jordan Crawford was at Xavier. And they were playing in the NCAA tourney, and he dropped a pass, and he would have been cooking. He was cooking. cooking. He was and cooking. he dropped a pass late in the game, crunch time. The ball went between his legs because he grabbed the ball with one hand. Right. And as you said, you get closer to the end. Everything got to come back to the fundamentals earlier in the game. Those first 30 minutes, he grabbing it with one. He going to get his game. He doing his thing. When it's crunch time, when the defense is a little bit tighter. Yeah. Right. When it, when the bucket means that much more, when the possession is that much, much more valuable, you need to secure it. And you secure it with the fundamentals. But I remember that because that happened. Right. That happened during our season. And you came back to practice. And somebody caught the ball with one hand and went to the side. And you broke it down the way you broke it down. And you said, I told you, if you don't – I know as Xavier um, – what's his name? Chris Mack. I think it's Coach Mack. is telling him <laughs> the same thing. Like, catch it with two hands. Yeah. The fundamentals. Yeah. Fundamentals. Yeah. I said that all or something. What, what in, word did I say? <laughs> and in that, in that particular situation, he was cooking that cooking. night. But what happens is you start to make a few shots and the game is on the line. Mm -hmm. Defense is paying more attention to you. Mm -hmm. So you got to catch it with two hands to speed up your shot, yeah. to secure the shot. Yeah. And so that, that cost them a chance to advance, mm -hmm. you know? And so you got to catch it with two hands. There's only a few people in the world that can catch the ball with one hand in, in almost every situation. But even those guys catch it with two hands. Every time. In those tough situations. Same thing. Yep. So, so that, that I, and we both have those sentiments. And like I said, I come from a different cloth of basketball um, talk. So my, like you, my uncle Ro, you know, my guys at team takeover with coach Vest and, and coach Doug and, you know, Coach Keith Honore and all those different guys, they all, y'all, you guys preach the same thing. Yeah. All you guys say the same thing. When I sit, you know who my favorite person is to listen to when it comes to basketball? Who's that? Hubie. Coach Hubie, Hubie Brown. Hubie Brown. My Fundamentals. favorite. Fundamentals. <laughs> yes, my favorite. My favorite. Yeah. He's, he's the guy that 
he shows love to the new generation of hoop. Right. But it's always back to the same old, same yeah. old. It's, yeah. it's, it don't change. He has transcended time, man. Yes, yeah. but it's the message is the same. But they're always talking about the same game. Hold your fundamentals. Keep it tight. You know, you're all good. But, you know, you know what that also that does is, you know, like we talked about earlier, kids don't know any better. They don't know the difference between what's happening and, and what's good and what's right and what's wrong. And we've talked about this several times, like basketball IQ has diminished, right? That's why we have so many guys who are extreme athletes and when they get to the league, they're not good because we realize that everybody's an athlete. Now you got to thank the game. Right. And you didn't think about the fact that now social media, social media affects that basketball IQ. Right. Because you don't they're not researching their facts. They're not historians of the game. They don't really respect the fact that things are different. But, you know, how how have you seen that impact on your younger guys that you've trained or younger girls that you've trained? Well, you know, they they see a highlight of somebody because that's the the hot topic nowadays in sports highlights and people will have an awesome highlight, but the younger kids watching have no idea what that athlete has done in order to make that highlight. So they're thinking that, Oh, if I, I play this sport certain amount of times each week, I just show up, I do certain things. I can, I too can make that highlight instead of realizing that it's a lot of work involved in terms of being able to have that opportunity to make the highlight. You may not make that highlight, but just in order to get the opportunity to make that highlight. That's real. So like highlights (laughs) and you always say it is a highlight and there's a low light, right? For everybody, for everybody, you know, I always talk about Kobe. Kobe's hot, low light is those air balls against Utah, right? His low light is that you know that era between championships when he had to grind it out. KD has low lights. Bron has low lights. You know, everybody, MJ, everybody has those, but people don't focus on those, and that's part of where you know the worry comes in because the. The effect it has on the children not having a solid base of information is insurmountable because now we have to recondition them to an extent. Right. We got to teach them basketball, but right. now we got to talk to them in a whole other space so that they can think of it differently. It takes a while, a lot of energy, you know? It's... I don't even know where to begin with this because <laughs> it's not just teaching basketball when someone walks in the door and they're in your gym, you're teaching life lessons as well. Because a lot of these things, no matter what sport it is, a lot of stuff that you're teaching now will carry over into your average daily life. And if you aren't willing to get that point across and be consistent with it each time that kid walks through the doors, then you're doing a disservice to that kid. And so the thing is, we want to make sure we emphasize work ethic, sportsmanship in terms of you're going to win some, you lose some, in addition to the skill part of it and and, and getting better in the sport. Because we all know that there's a small fraction 
of the population that are going to be next level athletes. Mm -hmm. But we want to prepare them to be next level citizens. Yeah, yeah. And you can't get all of that from social media. Right. Right. Like even when we if we when we marketing who loans to buy or wherever else, it's social media has its purpose for something. But that's not the um the end all to be all. There's more. There's more to us. Like we have a, a completely unique situation to where, you know, the two coaches that work here are guys that have fifteen plus years of relationship, basketball and off the court. So when we tell you that basketball takes you beyond anything between the lines, we live that. Like we we really we really represent that. Like between ourselves and in our own other relationships off the court in other ways. So that's another space to where um it's important that if you're a leader in a basketball community and you're somebody that's, you know, you're dedicating your time to teaching some kids sharing knowledge about anything, you got to also make sure you're offsetting the the bad stuff that they do get. It's up to them what they use with it. But, you know, it's still your duty to make sure you share that information. I know you always did that for me to where, good or bad, you told me exactly what it is. And after that, it was up to me to make that decision. But I could never be upset because you didn't tell me. Right. All right? Yeah. Yep. So... But that's 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 it, you know. As as a, all those young guys, young ladies out there, make sure that. And we've seen, we'll probably say this every podcast or every chance that we get. We'll say it in the gym because it's important. Um, you know, social media is not enough. You know, the internet is not enough. You got to go do more and seek more and experience more, so you can understand because everything is bigger than what it is. Um, we'll get into some of those other things as far as the basketball business. And how, you know, you guys that want to aspire to do other things outside of basketball, playing basketball helps you with all of that. We'll get you to that space, too, because it's important because um, Coach and I are multifaceted. We're much more than just coaches, right? Um, but it's a, it's a, I think this is a good place to end, um, wrap it up on on how we're doing. Uh what you got? I'll I'll go first in my post game speech this time and okay. let you end it. Um, one of my one of my favorite quotes comes from uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, um, and it's it says, "Your life is the manifestation of your dream. It's an art." And for me, what that says is, you paint your picture. You design it, you dream it, then you go out there and you put it into work to make it happen. Yeah, but be confident in what it is that your thoughts are. So take the time to, to dream. You know, I say all the time, dream a new dream. Sometimes, you know, your dream develops, but your life is a manifestation of your thoughts, your dream. It's an art. You go create it. You go do what you got to do with it. You know, but believe in that. Take that. It's a life worth living. So that's my it's my send off to you guys. Coach, what you got? Mine is a little more business oriented this time. And it's in reference to all of our clients. Um, Coach Ryan, Coach Ethan, myself, we're basketball guys to the core. But at the same time, we know that we're teaching. And we talked about, you know, life lessons. 
the one thing we I want to get across to everybody is that no matter what sport you teach, no matter what sport you love and you have a passion for, when we're talking about grassroots sports, we want to make sure that the kids get a chance to experience all sports. Let them have a, a, a good experience with each and every sport and let them decide later on in life what they want to focus on. Um, and, and this kind of goes to some parents as well, because we all know that if, if dad was a high level volleyball player, or mom was a high level soccer player, I'm sorry, football player, then you kind of want your kid to follow in your same footsteps, but everybody has their own path to follow. So let them, let them get a chance to enjoy all of the sports when they're young. And as they get older, you will get a chance to know, you have a better idea rather of what sport they want to focus on and which they'll be more successful in. Yeah. Man, that's, that's sound advice right there. Um, episode eight, Bridging the Gap. It's the podcast. You know, follow us on Instagram at Bridging, at bridging the Gap underscore. That's Bridging without the G. You know, you know, <laughs> add a little sauce to it. Um, you know, we got Who Mountain Dubai, Who Mountain AE. You can always, you know, log log on to the website, check us out, get some things together there. Um, and then Who Mountain DXB on Instagram. Check us out if you're in the UAE. You come link up with us. We'll have some fun. This coming week, um, we have the all sports camp where well, most people don't know the one thing that's unique about Coach is Coach has 20 years or more, something like that, of PE teaching experience. So Coach is, he gets in his bag when it's time to create games. So when you come to a camp of Who Mountain, it's not just about playing basketball. Yes, we're going to do that, but it's about fun too. So this week we'll have our first camp here in the UAE, and that's going to be super fun. Um, after that, coach is going to be heading off to this to do some fun stuff. Um, but we'll have a special holiday pack for you guys coming soon as well. Um, but you know, check in, see what's up with us. We have some special promo coming for camp as well. Um, but if you guys just heard that back there, that's <laughs> that that's the UAE special Dubai special. Somebody was. I don't know if they had the, the uh, Raptor on the road or maybe it was a Lambo or something. We are on Crenshaw. Yes, Lord. <laughs> you know, they're out there running crazy. But thank you guys for tuning in again. Um, for those of you that do listen, we love you. Thank you. There's so much more to come. Um, that's bridging the gap. Tune in out. Thank you, guys.